Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to The Body Reset. This podcast has been built to help career-driven professionals and business owners intelligently upgrade their body, energy, and personal performance in the modern world. I want to help uncover some of the core concepts, beliefs, and frameworks that we've used with thousands of clients to navigate health and performance at home and work to look, feel, and function at your best. I hope you get a ton of value out of this, and please subscribe so you never miss another episode. go through the three reasons that you do not have work-life balance. What does that really look like? Is it a ratio? How do we fit this back into your life? And how are most people doing it completely the wrong way? My name's Ollie. I work for the Meta Project and I want to walk you through this process, knowing what those strategies look like and really fitting them into three core categories that most people really aren't taking into account. It's particularly in a world where we live and work from home and there's more of this or lack of separation in these in these spaces. I want to simply walk you through this process of how we approach health the wrong way and how that falls into this work-life balance dilemma. Now, the big issue with health, and we notice this a ton with people trying to get back in shape, get their energy back on track and seeing their bodies slow down, is it's got nothing to do with getting your health right on the good week, right? Busy work's got relaxed or it's slowed down a little bit. I finally got time to put me back in a day and fit health back in. It's missing the point entirely because the goal is not about what it looks like on a good week, but how do we still fit it in when things get busy? Because we can't just add in the diet for three weeks, smash that, and as soon as things get busy, we fall back off the wagon. The whole process is building up our non-negotiables, adjusting our lifestyle so that success long-term is actually achievable, and we don't rely on willpower and discipline as being our core components or strategies of keeping health on track. Because we all know that we get tired, we get flat out with work, and when we have these high-demand roles, there's a lot of pressure put on us. And if we're not taking the time to anchor this in as part of our lifestyle design, as part of just our day that we nearly unconsciously go through, we're constantly fighting against the wall that we're just left with the scraps and very rarely do we have enough time to actually fit us back in. So I'm going to walk through three of those strategies and really give you some tools to walk away with to help find this work-life balance for you as an individual. So the first one I'm going to start with is these home strategies because I think as we work from home a lot more, the real issue coming through is that there is no separation of space and professional problems always stem from personal ones. And if we can create that or remove the chaos at home, this is always going to help chaos at work. So the first one here I I really, really enjoy talking about is the understanding of separation of spaces, right? If you want to completely ruin your work productivity and your deep sleep quality, go work in your bedroom. Bring your laptop in, do your work in your bedroom. If we do not have those separation of spaces, your brain is not able to switch between the two. We can't wind up and get ready for work and we can't wind down and relax at the end of the day. One of the biggest issues with this work-life balance is the ability to switch off. So we must start with an ability for our body to actually feel like it can. Whether it's a metaphorical or a physical removal of that uniform at the end of the day, it's a leaving the office, even if it's at home, walking out the door, going around the block, and then walking back in the house, taking the headphones off, getting in the car, and that trigger of turning, you know, turning the key, or, or however we turn on to cars these days, taking that time to switch and see that as a change of scene allows us to actually switch off or switch on, be in the position we can actually be more productive. So looking at that as both ways, because most of us are only 
ever halfway between the two. And when we look at the space of an always-on culture where we're always contactable via phone, text, messenger, Slack, Zoom, all of these different methodologies or methods mean that we are never really able to unwind. If we even roll back even 40 years ago, we're able to do work at work and then come home and leave work at work. Now, as we continue to merge social media with our business ventures and with all of the stuff, we start to notice that this gap has got very, very small. And when we start to create space and we sit down on the toilet or sit down for dinner, there's a phone that comes with us. There's the news on. There's the whatever is another form of stimulus that's always keeping that brain going. And we're not able to breathe, slow down, actually consolidate our thoughts from the day and just create that space. And when it starts to feel uncomfortable that there's silence, that there's the space to think again, very few of us know what to do with that. And being able to break that and separate those is, I think, a really, really becoming a resource that is becoming more scarce. So where I'm going to start here with winding down is actually the ability to wind up. And when we look at being productive, if we want to wind down in the day, we need to make sure that we've been productive in that day. Right, And whatever that role is, whether that's in the development side, marketing, sales, fulfillment, finance, whatever it might be, if there's a certain task that we could tick off today, what would that one thing be? There's a fantastic book, I believe it's by Gary Keller, called The One Thing. What is the one thing today that I can do that makes everything else easier or irrelevant? And when we really force ourselves to find that one thing, rather than our endless list of 10, 30, 40, 100 things, we start to get very clear on what is the thing that actually moves the needle forward. Because as a business owner, a manager, an executive, we're managing people, we're managing variables in the day that are become quite reactive in nature. And if we're not taking the time to be intentionally proactive at the start of the day, then that deep work always gets pushed to the side. And how many times have you felt like you've had a really busy day, you've been all over the show, but you haven't actually achieved anything, you haven't actually moved the needle forward. And when we can take the time to lock in that hour's work, if that's first thing in the morning, that's midday, that's whenever you know you can have an hour of complete silence or space to do that work, we can really create the actual uh, change that needs to happen or the actual producing in the day to move things forward. And when we can anchor in that space and protect it, we can start to get a lot more done. And it's really taking the time to look at that as something that is, uh, or getting very clear with the separation of urgent and important tasks. I think this is something that in this always on culture, everything is urgent, right? We get the Facebook notification. We get the email that comes through to, that demands to be done by 2 p.m. We get the budgets that are coming through. We get the end of year financials, whatever it is. There's so many urgent things that come on our plate that we really lose sight of what's important and what actually requires our mental capacity, our mental space in the first place, right? Attention is our biggest and most valuable resource and we just give it away, right? We are so strict with money and we are so loose with time. It really needs to be switched. How do we, how can we delegate our mental space to really look at the deep and meaningful tasks that allow us to move forward? If you're in a, a executive business role or area where you're really paid highly for the stuff that you do, what are all the lower value tasks that are still filling up your day? 
Are you still doing your cooking? Are you still doing your gardening? Are you still doing your taxes? Whatever that might be, there might be these tasks that we can delegate. And when we go to work, we may be, uh, for example, in, in a marketing role and we're always delegating things to the graphic design department. We're always delegating things to the comms or the copy department, whatever that might be. But when we come to our home life, we have so much life admin that clogs up that space. And whether that's getting our kids or our partners involved, it can be a case of really getting an idea of just that ruthless delegation to really create space. Now, not everyone needs a chef and a gardener, but taking the time to just get an awareness of what's taking up noise and putting stuff on that plate that is getting in the way. So when we can start to look at the urgent tasks that are coming through and we realize that, hey, if I actually wait until 2 p.m. to look at my emails and focus on the stuff I need to do to move forward, rather than all of the stuff that is being requested of me, would I get more done? The answer is nearly always yes, right? And I know there's roles that are involved where you're requiring on other departments to get things done, but how can we start to get an intention towards that one thing that I can take control of to really move forward? I think I see it so often in clients that we work with regularly that it is quite obvious that everyone is busy but not actually getting anything done. And when we can take the time to look at anchoring in four hours of really meaningful work, we get so much more than just eight or 10 hours of just busy. And when we can get really methodical with how we set up that day, it's just getting away from just rolling in from meeting to meeting. I had a fantastic mentor of mine lately say, trust is replaced with meetings. And we go through this process of trying to micromanage everything, of not having the process system or simple trust in place in order for those tasks to be done. And we're always in meetings trying to figure things out rather than creating the deep capacity for us to think and strategize and build those steps that we move move forward. So I can dive into this a, a lot, but just understanding that space of the ability to wind down is also the ability to wind up effectively and get the job done in the time frame. I'm a huge uh, fan of time blocking and being able to get very uh, – training the body to be really, really – good at switching on and going, right? When you've got a time block of one hour to, to write that thing, uh, develop that thing, build the strategy around a thing and just create that space for thinking time, you get a lot more done than just having a blurry three hours in the day. When we look at breaking that down and start to look at the important stuff, once we've got rid of the noise, we start to look at what that really is because the things that really move the business forward or the department forward or us forward are usually the things that aren't urgent and aren't shouting at us, right? It's all the things in the background that it's the new program development. It's the uh, marketing plan that needs to be built out. It's the strategy around the, the bigger part of the department, whatever, that is always pushed to the side when the next uh, employee or next client walks through the door saying, hey, I need this. And when we can create that space, I think we're really able to just denoise a little bit more and the ability to turn on, turn off is a lot better. Okay, so I can go on this a little bit, but hopefully that uh, has some has some value for you. Hey, I hope you're really enjoying this episode. Uh, I wanted to take a quick second to say, please reach out to me on social media. Some people worry about um, interrupting me or sending me emails, but I love to hear how these podcasts and videos are impacting you and what future content you'd really like to hear. So if you could reach out to me and let me know how this podcast has helped or what you'd like us to dive into, that'd be amazing. And we'll make sure that we bring the most relevant content to you moving forward. Also, if you know someone that you think this could really impact and benefit, uh, they could listen to on their morning walk or their commute or when they're in the kitchen, uh, then it'd be amazing if you can tag them in a post or simply share uh, this on Spotify or wherever else you listen with them. It makes a massive difference in making sure that we can serve and help as many people as we can. Uh, all right, let's get back to the episode. Awesome to have you here. 
One last thing I'm going to add in from a work standpoint is you don't live to work, you work to live. And we lose sight of this when we're walking through a really busy period. We are really busy right now because we know that we're understaffed and we've got this big project to work with. Now, if that is one or two months, go for it. Go right in, get everything you need to get done and do it. But the problem that we see all the time is these tasks then become a six-month task and then an eight-month and then a two-year task. And we notice that this just becomes a slow merge of what our new life is. And we let everything else fall to the side. And I think where this really comes from is we're so focused on the targets, we're so focused on the outcome itself that we start to lose sight of what's actually meaningful work. There's a lot of science and really, really interesting research around when we do a task or an activity for the love of doing it we enjoy it and it becomes something we can do long term. As soon as we start to add in an an external reward for doing the thing, we lose meaning or value behind the activity itself. And what I've noticed flip to that is the less we enjoy it because we're pushing things too hard and we're not creating the balance in our life that allows us to create joy around the activity we're doing, we start to do it more for the outcome and then the, the work itself becomes less meaningful. And this is where you see a lot of people, and this may be you or in a situation that you've been in the past where you start to be like, well, you're doing it for the money or at least I'm getting a decent paycheck or whatever that might be, where it starts to become more and more about external outcomes and we lose the love for the the role or the industry that we we are in in the first place. And when we push things too hard for too long, this really starts to happen. Uh, no matter how much you love what you do, right? I'm in the health and wellness space. I get to change hundreds, if not thousands of lives a year. But if I push things too hard for too long, I start to lose the love of it. So when I can start to step back and really anchor in that joy, create that space, create that thinking time, my ability to enjoy my day-to-day activities goes through the roof. And that's really where we start to look at beyond the the finite six-month target and we start to really look at this more as an infinite goal of enjoying the activity itself so I can keep doing it. Not because of an outcome, but so I can continue to do it. All right, it's the exact same for exercise. If you go from finite six-week challenge to the next six-week challenge, we're doing it for the outcome. We're not doing it for the process. No wonder we struggle. So walking through and taking the time to find out the actual love of the skill itself, actually being involved in the process, doing it for the sake of doing it, doing it for the sake of the person you're becoming doing it rather than the outcome itself, it completely changes the game. So that that's the first one. I've talked, spent a lot of time on this team, but I really, really think that's a crucial part of being productive, being able to switch off and also be content at the end of the day that you've done meaningful work. The second one that we've sort of alluded to quite a lot is being proactive to be productive. I think the, the core component of this um, that I got from a podcast recently with uh, Anthony Trucks was We focus so much on productivity in the moment, but when we can create more capacity to be productive, now we've got a real ability to extend that goalpost or raise the bar of what we could ultimately achieve in that time frame. I think I'd I'd love to take that one step further and realize that to be productive, you need to be proactive. And we can, when we can be proactive to create that space, to create the joy, the energy, the space for us to really show up as our best, now we have the capacity to be productive. So really, productivity coming from a space of being proactive allows us to really create more meaning behind those non-negotiables. Health has never been a process or it should have never been a process of removing ourselves from work in order to do health. 
what it is allowing us to do is get so much more out of day-to-day life. We can enjoy gym training. We can enjoy the run 100%. And I think getting closer to doing things we're enjoying in the health space is really, really helpful and definitely valuable in making this a long-term skill. But the separation of, I need to stop work to go do health, <laughs> whether that be exercise, eating well, whatever, becomes such a reactive thing and something I have to do rather than something I know I want to do because it allows me to show up better. I show up more productive. I show up more clear-headed. I can go longer and I can go harder. All of these things allow me to be more productive, more resilient, and just a more effective human at work and home. So when we look at health as something that's, and I'm saying health in a broad term of eating well, sleeping well, exercising, all of these things that we think we should do, but really we should want to do, it's taking the time to adjust our dialogue around how it is a process of allowing us to get more done or showing up in a capacity that we can be proud of. And when we start to look at that, we start to really own our own personal headspace, both mentally and physically, making sure that we have those health spaces covered, right? Mental and physical health. So for me, um, one suggestion I would have for you today is simply the first hour of the day, protecting that space. If we can't take the time to be proactive in that first space and do something for us, it becomes very, very hard to start the day on the right foot. If we start our day with emails, with the news, with diving right into the reactive space and nature of today's world, if we're not in control, we start to notice that everything becomes too much, much, much quicker. And when we can anchor in those things that allow us to breathe, to anchor, to create a bumper for the day, we start to be in a space and create, I guess, a better lens for how we see the day. So locking in those non-negotiables, last concept to add in here is simply, this is not an easy week thing. This is an every week thing. So when we look at the task, don't focus on what can I do when I'm really motivated, right? If I walk you through this process and you get to the end of this video and you think you're really motivated to get your health back on track because it's going to allow your work to get better. So I'm going to go for an hour and a half run every morning. That's going to work for probably about one morning. And then you're going to find that it's raining, windy outside, or you didn't sleep as well, and it's not going to happen anymore. So my suggestion to you there would be, how about you anchor in 10 minutes of exercise a day? 10 minutes. Anything else is a bonus. That's something we use with our clients all the time. And it's this whole process of breaking it down into achievable bite-sized chunks that allow us to create change long-term sustainably, as opposed to bringing something in that you can do for a week and then you realize it doesn't fit into your life because it's not sustainable. And we do it over and over again when we don't look at this long-term lifestyle change that actually fits in, not to the the, the perfect week where you're on holiday, but when things really hit the fan and when you've got all of the work projects happening and you've got uh, kids events on at the same time and, and you're moving house and all this stuff just happens on the same week. How can we still nail those non-negotiables? So taking that time to look at that makes a really, really big difference. And when we create that space, we start to produce more per hour of work that we actually create ironically more time in a day as opposed to working more hours and not having time for either. Okay, so that's my second point. The third one that I'd like to finish on here, which I've already really intertwined into the first two, is something health is something we get to do, not something we have to do. The less we enjoy it, the less we tell ourselves we have to do it, the more opportunity, the more of a window we open for willpower and discipline being our weakest link, right? If we focus so much on willpower and discipline being the reason for us to uh, move forward or not, 
as soon as we have a bad day, as soon as we have a bad night's sleep, we have got no energy, that falls to the wayside and we fall off the wagon. And now if we associate that with guilt and shame because it's, again, something we should have done rather than something we want to do, that just allows that spiral to continue to increase. So when we look at this a little bit more and in that space of something we get to do, we're no longer looking... It's, it's no longer a permission thing, essentially, at the end of the day. And I think when we live in a life where there's all these rules and all these should-haves, I think we get too stuck in the permission base of what do you want? How do you want to feel? What does that person really look, feel, show up like? And when I can visualize what I want to be and what I'm proud, proud to be would look like, I start to really build a vision of that person, one, but I also start to understand what that person or asking the question of how would that person act on a day-to-day basis, and I start doing that. So the, the simple concept of rather than setting a goal, whether that be work or health-related, we're not setting the goal for the sake of the goal. We are creating an identity that what we end up doing every day, because of this is who we are, the goal simply becomes expected. It becomes nearly irrelevant but it becomes something we achieve simply because we're acting out the steps day to day and what we can control as opposed to hoping wishing waiting for the goal to happen so in a workspace if we're trying to get the work promotion focusing so much on getting the work promotion itself and researching what they get paid and who's who's the current person i need to talk to and whatever else gets in the way of the meaningful work that actually needs to be done for us to get that promotion when we're trying to lose 10 kilos we can get on the scales every morning and say ah that weight hasn't moved all we could focus on if i was to lose 10 kilos now is that 85 kilos or 65 kilos or whatever that weight is what does that person look feel and function or, or do on a day-to-day basis and what would i what can i simply act in today so we start to come back to this anchoring of don't focus on the goal itself but focus on the steps we can put in place to achieve it right focus on the journey not the outcome and when we look at that the beautiful part of it is we start to focus on the character that needs to be built in order to achieve the goal rather than the goal the goal itself to take this one step deeper and hopefully you're staying with me is it's the ability to change the channel it's the ability to change your dialogue and actually look at when we focus so hard on a goal without building the character required to achieve it, a lot of us in the workspace lose so much of our life on in the process because we haven't taken the time to build the capacity to reach that goal in a wholesome way, i.e. we build the business we get the work promotion. We do all the fancy things and material success externally, but we start having divorces. We start to lose connection with our kids. We get overweight and we start to be on blood pressure medication. Right? This is where this balance really, really matters. It's taking the time to look at building the character, building the person I must become in order to build all of these things up to that level as opposed to focusing on the goal itself so much. All right. So it's getting a little bit more philosophical here, but I just wanted to make sure that a lot of this work-life balance issue comes from being so reactive in nature, focusing on the thing itself or letting someone else run our life and taking the time to anchor in the stuff that truly is meaningful to build the character that is going to allow us to move forward so far. So hopefully today's training, today's podcast or YouTube video is something that starts to pose a couple of questions in your head about how we can approach this a little bit differently, how we can look at health in a way that is something that allows us to elevate so many other areas of our life through the area of meaningful work, 
whether that be through our own personal health journey, whether that be through the work at work. If you're enjoying work, fantastic. You've found something that is meaningful. But don't let everything else around you burn because it will get to a point that is no longer meaningful and you start to look at the external outcomes as the reason for doing the work, which is missing the entire point. When we bring family, health, connection, joy along for the ride, we start to really enjoy the process again and we ultimately start to achieve much bigger uh, aspirations in, in the journey itself, right? The people that don't focus on the external outcomes and focus on the daily steps are the ones that usually achieve the external outcomes. So hopefully that video was helpful, guys. I know it's a little bit of a longer one, but I just wanted to get a couple of key points that uh, we focus on a lot from a uh, real thought process side. There's no point giving you tips, hacks, and, and things that are only going to last for a day. When if we can step back and look at the thought process behind it, I think we can really create some truly meaningful change. Uh, if you want to dive into this anymore, uh, if you just want to let me know how, uh, what you took away from this video, I'd love to get your comment, your review below, or reach out to me personally on, on social. Uh, would really mean the world. So hope you're having an incredible day, week, month, and we will talk in soon. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Body Reset, world leaders in health and performance coaching. If you love this episode, it would be a massive help if you could just share with one person that you think would benefit. I'd also love to hear from you personally on social media or via email if I can help you personally. Until next time, remember long-term change comes from self-compassion and thanks for tuning in. This episode was brought to you by The Body Reset, world leaders in health and performance coaching. If you love this episode, it would be a massive help if you could just share with one person that you think would benefit. I'd also love to hear from you personally on social media or via email if I can help you personally. Until next time, remember, long-term change comes from self-compassion, and thanks for tuning in.